0: You're listening to National Health Executives' Finger on the Post podcast with me, your host, Matt Roberts, to guide you beyond the headlines with news, views, and insider truths from across the healthcare sector. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations, and build a stronger Northern powerhouse together. So, welcome back to episode 13 of National Health Executives' Finger on the Post podcast. I'm delighted to be joined on today's episode by Anthea Hockley, Associate Director of Workforce Development and Learning at Essex Partnership University NHS Foundation Trust. So thanks for joining me on the show, Anthea. You're
1: very welcome.
0: And this all sort of came about after a news story we did covering a new health and care academy uh, that was being set up in Essex that the trust was really involved with. Uh, Could you talk to us a little bit about um, what the new academy is, what it will sort of deliver for young people in your region and how it sort of came about?
1: Yes, of course. Um, So the Health and Care Academies, I believe they've run in different formats in different parts of the country. But the one that we set up was designed to engage with young people, school or college students, and to inform them about the variety of um, careers and opportunities that there are in health and care and we started working on this actually some time ago but of course the world changed dramatically and we realized that we got to arrange our health and care academy in a different way so we started looking at what the opportunities were and obviously schools um, have had a very difficult time over the past few months but one of our local further education colleges was keen to look and see how we could engage with them and their students um, over this summer period. And that's what we've done. So we set it up because of the current situation as a virtual academy Um, and people logged on and were able to talk to various clinicians, um, to staff from social care and from local authorities and to um, support from the college as well to discuss the opportunities in careers and to give them better information about the NHS and social care.
0: Yeah, definitely. And sort of how important has that been? Because I know one of the features that really stood out to us with the Academy was that it's giving these young people an opportunity to sort of directly ask questions of healthcare professionals from all sorts of fields. How important is it to really give that direct link into sort of healthcare and make it really accessible for young people considering it?
1: I think it's, it's really important because so often uh, health and social care are presented in quite a narrow way. So s- certainly for young, these a lot of these students are actually on health and care courses. But prior to that, a lot of the publicity that you get focuses on the well-known opportunities in perhaps medicine or nursing. But what we wanted to do with the academy We show the wider range of opportunities that there are in health and in care and how those two areas are actually becoming more and more integrated and working together more closely to give them the full range of opportunities and how show how important and of course this has been a a perfect opportunity in terms of the pandemic to show how important it is for health and care and public health to all work together to provide the, you know, the health care of the nation that, that is required.
0: Absolutely. And it is one of those, those things, as you say, that health, even if we sometimes don't think of it immediately, it covers so many different skills. Care covers so many different skills. And it is sort of all coming together really importantly at the moment. Um, and I know that is an, an element of um, what the Academy covers. It doesn't just cover clinical uh, roles. There was provisions made as well to cover non-clinical roles. And from conversations I've had recently with um, other people who so their specialties have been in the non-clinical side of healthcare, it, it's been a conversation that keeps coming up, the idea that we need to maybe do more or, or make it more obvious the wide range of skills and the wide range of job roles that are available to young people in healthcare. It isn't just doctors and nurses. Uh,
1: absolutely. And I think that's something that people don't more generally understand. So we wanted to show the young people the natural fat there's Almost anything they were interested in, someone somewhere in health or care is involved in that, whether it's finance, work in estates, work in HR, um, work in project management. There are just so many opportunities. It is so far reaching that almost anything that you're interested in, someone in health is, is inv- or care is involved in it. And so we wanted to make sure that we were talking to young people about the full range of careers that are available, not as you say, just in inverted commas, the clinical roles that potentially are there. And even within the clinical and care roles, there are areas that don't immediately spring to mind. So mental health, which is um, you know a key feature of the organization that I work for, often people don't think about the careers, the wide range of careers that are available in mental health right through from counseling up to yes of course clinical psychiatrists or psychologists there's a lot of other support work around that as well employment specialists who work with people um, to look at what jobs might be suitable for them and to give them support when they go back into employment It's a huge range of jobs um, outside of purely clinical ones
0: yeah and as you say there it's sometimes we we don't think of those roles and especially when we're younger and we're, we're sort of Really finding our way and finding what we're interested in, having that ability to talk to someone who is doing that job or doing that skill that they may have, it, it helps frame it and put it into pictures in, I think, a way that somebody simply explaining at the front of the class a teacher or someone like that just doesn't quite do the same.
1: Absolutely. And every, every session ended with an opportunity to put questions to the clinician or the care worker that was um, presenting on that, on that session. And the young people were asking really interesting questions, not just about their role, but their career path into it, perhaps what other careers they tried beforehand, what their, a, t- a, a normal day was like. And obviously, often the clinician would come back and say, well, there isn't a, a normal day as such. You know, it's incredibly varied
0: as part of that um obviously the the trust set uh, was part of setting up this academy um, and there were a number of other uh, organizations involved in that as well from across the sort of health and uh, social care scope um in the region everything from trusts and ccgs right through to councils and universities having that sort of whole picture scope um i imagine that probably was quite helpful in in bringing different voices in and understanding Everyone sees these, these young in, uh, people in different ways and interacts with them in different ways. So being able to bring all of that expertise together probably gave a much wider picture and made sure the academy really could hit everybody. Uh,
1: absolutely. So we were, we were trying to give um, as much of the breadth of the organisations that operate in the health and care uh, arena as we possibly could. So as you say, we had local representatives from local authorities talking about the care sector. We had people from primary care. We had people from the CCGs who obviously do a lot of the organisation and commissioning of the services that are provided, mental health trusts, community trusts, the acute trusts, and a wide range of clinicians were talking, as I say, from psychiatrists, midwives, district nurses, Care workers, huge range of, of careers, and people were were there to talk about their careers and how they'd got into them, what they did, what qualifications they required.
0: Yeah, and and I suppose um, that really like having all of that expertise in in this particular instance has been really successful. And I know part of the um, the academy was set up and oh, it was ran in collaboration with Health Education England with sort of a look to scaling it out more nationally. Um, obviously, you have had sort of hands-on experience with the academy. Is it something you really do back and you really do think that nationally, we benefit from having these sort of um, systems in place? Oh,
1: a- absolutely. I mean, we're already looking at um, a sort of year-long programme of how we're going to link in with other schools and colleges and do a similar, similar thing. This was actually pulled, to, as I say, because of the situation, we actually changed what we were going to do quite rapidly. But I think we've actually found a formula that will work in future, even outside of these extraordinary conditions that we're working in at the moment. Because we were doing it online, we were actually able to get a much wider range of clinicians to give their time because we were asking them for one slot rather than a whole day or a whole whole afternoon. Yeah. And that was very beneficial. It did mean we had an incredibly w- wide range of clinicians av- available to us to deliver a, a presentation. And we do want to Broaden the range of young people that we're working with. So this was a further education college, I mean, we will hope to work with schools and we will also hope to sort of link into some of the other initiatives that are available at the moment. So you've probably heard of the kickstart scheme that the government have launched recently. So we will hope to link in with that and perhaps encourage young people to look at using some of these initiatives that are out there at the moment to help young people think about their careers.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations, and build a stronger Northern powerhouse together. Certainly. And, and as you say there, um, obviously, in your case, there, there was a real clear use of, of the sort of dynamic approach that everyone's having to take at the moment. Um, but it, it is right what you're saying. There's a real opportunity at the moment where everyone is becoming a lot more accustomed to working remotely and being able to take an hour or two to be able to virtually um, carry out these talks, where maybe if, as you say, it had been a day they were asked to to give up of their time in health and care, people are so busy that they don't have that time, they can devote an hour, and it's opening a lot more doors, I suspect, in that case.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, and we saw it as a sort of like our second option, sort of fallback option, because we couldn't do the event, the, the face-to-face event, whole day events that we'd been planning. But now we think actually it really opened some opportunities for us. And the feedback we've got from the participants has been extremely positive. I think everybody was extremely enthusiastic. And as, as I said, the young people were asking really interesting questions and really showing their enthusiasm and appreciation of the time that the clinicians and care staff were giving to them. So it actually has now become almost our preferred option for how we would deliver the academy in future.
0: Yeah, and, and that is the sort of the real best sort of outcome of this. Obviously, of course, we want to give opportunities to the sort of uh, the young people in the region to sort of engage with health and and with care and and find new pathways and careers they want but as you say for them to be able to come to that engage so significantly with it and come up with these questions that we wouldn't have thought of in a million years is the real takeaway that will make a difference to those kids lives. I
1: I think absolutely I mean the interactivity, the level of interactivity and engagement surprised even us really. We thought it might be difficult to get the um, young people to form together as a sort of cohort, but we did um, sort of icebreaker exercises. I mean, obviously they knew each other from the college to a certain extent, but they really participated with a lot of enthusiasm and, as I say, were very imaginative in um, the questions that they ask and were clearly quite committed to making sure they use the opportunity to get all the information they needed. And we'll now take that forward into their course. Um, I, I sat in on a couple of sessions where staff from our organisation were delivering one was with a psychiatrist and um, a psychologist and the psychiatrist followed on from the uh, psychologist and I was really impressed that the young people had absorbed so much of what they'd been told about mental health and were using that to inform their questions that they were putting to the psychiatrist about mental health conditions and about mental health care.
0: Definitely and and sort of as part of um, this the the academy is one way forward and we're seeing across the board for health and and care at the moment a real drive to find new routes into the industry Um, there's obviously still the traditional academic routes but we're seeing a lot more of apprenticeships come up a lot more sort of training programs and situations like the health and care academy at all different levels and steps on that process too Um, as somebody that's quite heavily involved in that both in this academy but also in your job with the trust has it been really encouraging to see um the different routes and a real understanding it seems at the moment that people will arrive in health and care and in careers in that in very different ways
1: absolutely i mean we are very heavily engaged with the apprenticeship programs and have been on a number of trailblazers Um, the trailblazers are the process by which new apprenticeships are designed and um the programs are created. We've been involved in quite a few of those, and are continuing to be involved in them. At the minute, we're involved in a trailblazer for the clinical associate in psychology, which is a completely new role that doesn't exist at the moment and is only being um, beginning to be created. Which would be a sort of step before becoming a clinical psychologist. And those sort of um, opportunities allow people to enter into a health career at different levels and also there's a lot more programs where they can step on and step off. So it's not just young people, it is people with career changes, perhaps people returning to work after a career break. All of those people have got different ways of getting into a career in health and care, developing at their own pace and developing in a, in a variety of directions as well. We're at the moment um, expanding our Level 3 programme. Level 3 is equivalent to A-levels, which is training that we use for our support workers. And at the moment, that's part of a pathway to go on to develop as a registered nurse if you want to take it that far. But we're looking how we can use that programme with sort of options to actually allow people to make their choice later on as to whether they would like to go into nursing or potentially into one of the allied health professions, maybe occupational therapy or physiotherapy, speech and language therapy. And using the apprenticeship routes, we've got step-off points where people can study for a little bit, step off at a certain level, and then perhaps pick up their studies at a later date. So the more traditional routes where you left, went on to university or training college, took a three-year program, you don't have to do that anymore. That option is still available, but there are lots of other ways which help fit into the different lifestyles that people have, the different points in their life when they're perhaps thinking about, as I said, a changing career or taking their career further.
0: It's very much one of those that having those different routes and which fit into life, different lifestyles and different sort of ways of working that people have, they're incredibly important um, for our young people. But also, I suppose, for any staff at any level, Um, I I suspect, obviously, with your role being in workforce development and learning at the Trust, um, continued development is hugely important as well to um, making sure that we continue to upskill our staff as well as bringing new in.
1: Oh, yes, that's incredibly important. Health and care are rapidly evolving um, areas of um, business as you as you can imagine and i think the current situation has shown how um, technological they are how immersed in science they are and how the situation changes all the time and we have to keep our staff up to the very forefront of the latest knowledge so that they're delivering care at the forefront to to our patients and so our staff are they're involved in research they're involved in upskilling all the time, absolutely all of the time. And we invest a considerable amount in continuing professional development to make sure that their skills are updated, they're using the latest techniques, they're aware of the latest medication, etc., the latest um, therapies to deliver to our patients to make sure they get the very best care.
0: I, I suppose that is the, the the bread and butter of this, um, bringing new staff in or training up the the ones we have it all comes down to ensuring that those patients that need it receive the best care. They receive the care from staff who are aware of what is going on. They're aware of the most up-to-date learning. And that comes from being proactive about it. And certainly it seems from the trust point of view and from the academy, we have a very proactive approach.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you, you do have to be very proactive. And as you rightly said, The patients are at the very center of everything that we do they are you know they are our raison d'etre you know important to us is that we're giving them the best care the safest care the highest quality care and in order to do that we have to continue to develop and support our staff as well
0: and i suppose the um the, the the one question i'd have moving on from that is obviously we've had a lot of talk there about real positives and the real forward progress we're making are there any areas still with training that are perhaps are, are still a challenge you're facing, or are somewhere you'd just like to see even more improvement made going into the future?
1: I think we still have, uh, we still need to do more with the health and care academy um, type approach to actually engage with people um, to let them know of the opportunities in health that are available. We still do um, have higher than we would like vacancy rates. Um, I think that that can vary across the country, but I think we still need to actually sell ourselves even better and the opportunities that are there. And again, it's not just the clinical roles, it is the non-clinical roles as well. And so it is a little bit about really getting out to the population what working in health and care does mean, um, what a positive career opportunity is, um, and, and making sure that people really understand how how positive and beneficial it can be working in health and care.
0: Yeah, and it it is that sort of that getting out there is is invaluable sort of having these these real close connections and close conversations with what will be the next generation of health service and sort of that will always be irreplaceable to it. It certainly seems sort of from the the conversations we've had, the work we've we've gone through that that really is happening. And I think sort of it's a really strong message as well for for us to to leave this on, to go and say that, yeah, work is being done. We're seeing great success. We've seen great engagement from young people. We just now need to do it more. We need to get out there and we need to engage.
1: Yeah, and look at all sorts of different ways of engaging. You know, The Health and Care Academy is something we've wanted to do for a long time. We've now launched it and it's looking extremely successful. And we, w- we want to develop it further. I'd say we want to look at how we can work better with the schools so that we can actually get contact with them because they have really crowded curriculum, as you know, and it can be difficult. But I think with this formula that we're working on now, it is more flexible and hopefully we'll be able to engage more easily with the schools as well and get time within their timetables, their busy timetables for something like this.
0: Yeah. And I think definitely, uh, I think that is the the real sort of point um, to bring it to. So I think from myself um, and also from all of our listeners, I'm sure as well, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast to talk about this and Hopefully, those listening who either are in the local region and want to get involved could, or those that are potentially elsewhere, it might spark something in them to realise actually, yeah, this is something that could work in our region too. So thanks so much for taking the time.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations, and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Thanks for listening to this episode of NHE's Finger on the Pulse podcast. Join the conversation on social media or get in touch through the link on our website. To stay up to date with all the latest news and episodes, make sure to subscribe, drop us a rating on whatever streaming service you're using. This has been National Health Executives Finger on the
1: Pulse podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.